Hello and welcome back to the Fire and Furnace podcast. Today we have Zane Nix sharing on hosting the presence of God, as well as the beauty of God and sustaining zeal. Let's jump right in. Guys, how was everyone's weekend? Praise God. It was so fun to celebrate the ladies in here on Saturday. We love you ladies. It's such a great time. Everybody rest on Sunday. Or everybody just goes super hard to adventure. All right. Eventually, we're going to get you guys some teaching on rest and Sabbath. And you can go hard six days a week, I promise. But it's good to have one that you rest. Uh, I just, I asked them to stay for like two minutes as they were doing a tour of the campus. In the back in this yellow hat is my good friend, Scotty Coates. And he's giving his friend David a tour of the campus right now. Scotty did his DTS. I finished mine and he started his, wait, they overlapped. So as I finished my lecture phase, he started his lecture phase. As I finished my outreach, he started his outreach. Um, but he, how many kids did you have at the time when you did your DTS? You had two. How many kids do you have? You have four kids now? Yeah. So had two. He's two up now. He's, dub- he's doubled. Uh, but uh, Scotty's just a radical man of God that leads people to the joy of the Lord, both in friendship and in worship. And tonight he's leading ministry night. And so he, he's been... Uh, doing all kinds of stuff all over the South for the last few years, and I'm just excited to have a friend in town leading ministry night tonight, so I wanted to tell you guys who it was. So you're like, man, who is this guy? He's a man of God, and he's our friend, Scotty Coates. So we're stoked you're here, Scotty. Also, another person that I wanted to introduce while we're here today, I don't know if I did last week. I know it in our staff meeting. Some of you have probably already met him. Maybe I did. I can't remember. The whole last week feels like a blur. I didn't. All right, I want to introduce you in the front row. This is my friend Josh Jellard right here. Josh, I just give him a wave. Josh and I staffed and, and uh, did things together a few years ago, and then COVID cut our, cut our staffing time together short. But uh, he's from New Zealand and is a radical man of God, an incredible discipler, and he's one of our main contacts for our New Zealand outreach, so he's, outreaches, so he's come to hang out. Sadly, he's leaving to Oahu tomorrow, correct? No, no, Thursday. So if, if you're lucky enough to grab a moment with him at a break or buy him a cup of coffee, please do. He's unbelievable and so in love with Jesus, and I'm just grateful he's here visiting. So wanted to honor you guys before the class got starting. Do we have any announcements before we get rolling today? All right, let's just do it. Guys, I want to talk about prayer and worship today. Can we do that? Is that all right? Um, so worked up over ATN being with us last week. He's another good friend of mine that has staffed with me, and we've run rampant together. Uh, all the old friends are coming in over these weeks. It's kind of a fun special school for that reason. I feel like all of our friends are coming in from every corner of the world. Um, I, I want to talk about three things, and we'll see if we get to all of them. First one is I want to just talk about hosting the presence of God and the priorities of worship. That's kind of what you could call it, the priorities of worship. And then after that, I want to talk about uh, understanding the magnitude of the one that we are praying and worshiping. You know, and I want us to just begin to, and honestly, we won't really understand that. What I want us to do is I want us to begin to push our minds to go how hard it is to really understand. How, how never-ending, beautiful, brilliant, all-powerful, almighty, uncreated our God is. Does that make sense? And then if we have time, we get to sustaining zeal, and then hopefully we just rush through all of that, and we just exalt the Lord a little bit at the end. Is that okay? Okay. I'm going to talk about hosting the presence. What light are you filling yourself with? What light are you filling yourself with? Here we go. Here's our moment, Elijah, with our candle. Oh, now Elijah's gone. 
What light are you filling yourself with? There it is. Uh, no, it's okay. We didn't plan this. He just lit a candle and set it there. Um, what, what you behold, what you give your heart and your attention to is what you become. What you give your heart and your attention to is what you become. What I know is that there are people in here, and I'm not going to say who. It's not about calling people out. I know there are people in here who behold Netflix more than Jesus. I know. I know there are people in here who behold the mirror in the bathroom more than they behold Jesus. I know... Probably, and in Jesus' name and faith, I would say this one is one you had as you arrived. A lot of you beheld pornography more than you beheld Jesus. And there's, no, there's no shame in the accusation in that. It's just illuminating the problem, you know? Like every one of us has beheld something above Jesus at one point or another. But as we gaze, as we gaze upon these things... As we give our heart to these things, it's what we become like. I know that a number of us have listened to music more than we've beheld Jesus. I even bet some of us have, and don't get me wrong, I want you to listen to worship music, but I even bet some of us have like sought after worship music harder than just I want Jesus. <laughs> and what we behold, we become. What we behold, we become. So I just want us to begin to push that question in our heart today. What light are you filling yourself with? What is it that you're beholding? What is it that you're beholding? I can remember a season I had my, my first year DTS staffing, and there was a fresh hunger that had set in inside of me that I had never experienced for the Lord before. I can remember I had a roommate named Elliot Chase. He's still on this campus. He's incredible. He's one of my best friends. And we were crammed way too many guys in an apartment next door to the base. And uh, in fact, I remember I had this rickety bunk bed that was wood that we put together. And every time, like he was like, I will be the one sleeping on the top bunk because we were so scared that the top bunk was going to like collapse into the bottom bunk. It's like you'd be laying in there and the guy would like turn like this and the whole bed would go <laughs> <laughs> and I remember it was just a sketchy time. But, but this fresh hunger for the Lord and to, to begin to push myself to go like, what am I giving myself to? Started to set into me and him and our friends in that time. I can remember so many things that went on in that time that I just couldn't really understand. I, I didn't really understand why it was, this hunger was waking up. I remember there was times where I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would feel the increased presence of God. Be like, oh, wow, I, I believe God wants my attention. And so I'd roll out of bed as carefully as I could. <laughs> and I'd reach up into Elliot's bed, and I'd be like, get up. It'd be like 2 in the morning, and he'd be like, what? And I'm like, he's in the room. Get up. And I can remember that we did this to each other every few weeks for, for I don't know, three or four months, where we would be like, <gasps> the Spirit of the Lord would wake us up, and we would roll out of bed and grab each other and, get up, he's in the room, and I can remember he, it was much easier for me to wake him up than it was to wake me up, because he's much more faithful to the Lord than I am, but uh, I'd be like, get behind me, Satan, I'm going back to sleep, but, but we begin to shake each other awake, and I can remember literally it was so funny, one of us would wake up the other one, because whoever woke up first was more attuned and more leaned into what God was doing, the other one was just like, I trust my friend, I'm going to lean myself into the presence of God, 
And so if you're the I trust my friend guy, you kind of roll yourself out of bed, and you're like in your boxers like, holy, 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 holy. I, maybe some of you had that, that moment this weekend during the 72-hour prayer burn. Anybody have that moment this weekend? Worthy, worthy, worthy. But making a decision not off our emotions, but just trusting that we need to lean ourselves into beholding him. And it, it was this crazy season. I remember in that same season, I was driving this Honda Accord. Gosh, it was the best car I've ever owned. It was a 2002 Honda Accord uh, manual transmission. It's awesome. <laughs> and uh, I can remember I was driving, and I had been going through all these prayer moments. And I was driving with a group from Waimea, Back to, which is just the town north, north on the island. If you haven't gone, it's like a town in a cloud with a coffee shop. That's pretty much all it is. Uh, you got a town up there that's just, it's beautiful, but it's just a town with a coffee shop. There's nothing going on up there. Uh, and we're driving down from Waimea, and we're listening to it. I don't, I don't know if you remember, um, is it Misty Edwards? That's terrible. I don't remember. Yeah. And we're listening to it. And I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. You guys know this one, right? Yeah, everyone's like, yeah! <laughs> if you're a millennial in this room, you're like, yeah, that, that song marked me and changed my life. Uh, and in uh, contemporary worship, it was really probably one of the first ones that was really trying to interact with him directly, not just ethereally, which is kind of awesome. Just in that moment of generation, not the first one in history, but there's something so special. We're listening to it. And I've listened to this song a thousand times, and I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. And I'm driving, and and you're kind of on these saddle roads, like zigzagging back and forth. And as I'm zigzagging back and forth, I'm, I'm talking to the Lord. And I, I feel the Lord tell me, you talk about me so much more than you talk to me. And I just had this fear of the Lord rush into me. Oh, God, I'm sorry. And I'm driving. And as I'm driving, I'm not even really necessarily a guy who physically encounters the Lord regularly, but a handful of times in my life have I really felt the physical presence of God. As I'm driving my car with five of us in it, I start shaking in my, in my, in my, uh, the driver's seat. And I'm like, I'm like, this is dangerous. <laughs> and I'm zigzagging through Saddle Road, and, uh, you know, and as soon as I see a, a, a turnoff, I like pull the car over the door open, and I rolled myself out of my car onto the side of the road, and everyone thought I was having a seizure, uh, and they're like, oh my gosh, literally like on the edge of calling 911, and I'm crying on the road, repenting, Lord, I don't want to talk about you more than I talk to you. You're a person. You're a person. You're a real person. You're the first person. You're a never-ending person, but you're a real person, and I don't want to talk about you like you're an idea, and these moments just kept coming up and kept coming up of like this increase, increase, increase of leaning in to the presence of God and prayer and worship being an outworking of that. And I tell you those stories because I, I genuinely believe the Lord is increasing right now. There's an increase in our tent. There's an increase in YWAM Kona. There's an increase in the Western body of Christ. Right now, there's, um, I don't know, have, have you guys heard about what's going on in Asbury, Asbury College? It's really crazy. On Wednesday morning, 
on Wednesday morning, uh, they started, I think it was at 10, 10 a.m. there, they started a chapel meeting, which is just, you know, if you've not been to a Christian university, a lot of Christian universities have like an hour-long chapel once a week. And usually, like if you've been to a lot of Christian universities, usually it's the most dry preaching service you've ever been to in your life. Like somebody obligatorily just reads scripture and then gives the most like, sometimes just feels heretical message. Uh, like half-hearted and you move on. I'm not trying to accuse all universities that are Christian universities. That's not the case at all. There's lots of great ones. But chapel services just so often are not powerful. And they had one, and I don't know what the service was like, but then the Spirit of the Lord came, and then they just didn't stop on Wednesday morning. And then they went through lunch, and after they went through lunch, then they started. people started skipping their classes. And as they started skipping their classes, other people started skipping their classes and coming to this gathering this last Wednesday. And then it started going for one, two days. You get a few days in, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden you get a few days in, and... and other universities start bussing in students to say, we have to come to this gathering. And then churches and ministries all across the, uh, the mainland America start traveling, saying, we have to see what's happening. And it's been going, it's now, I think, on the sixth day or the, the sixth day um, of, of not, and, and I don't mean like they, they go until late in the night and then they come back early in the morning, of it not ceasing. It hasn't ceased. And it's, it's just prayer, worship, repentance, confession is what's happening. And there's this increase. It was so crazy. I was sitting on Wednesday morning. Last week was just a busy week for me. I had so much random office work and random things I had to sort through. And it was killing me because I love Holy Spirit week. But I finally, Wednesday morning, have like, okay, I, need, I can fully be here. I sit in the chair right there next to Bryce and Allison to listen to Amy. And I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, I just feel, and again, not the same shaking in my car, but an intensity. Like, wow, I feel crazy faith but also some fear of the Lord in my heart starts racing on Wednesday morning as I'm sitting there and I turn to Allison and Bryce and I go, uh, I got to go pray. And like got up and right ran to the back of the classroom. And then Jeremiah and I ended up praying for the next hour as, 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 uh, Amy was teaching. And I thought it was just about that staff meeting. I thought it was just about that staff meeting. And we did have a powerful staff meeting, uh, that particular day where we just leaned ourselves into the presence of the Lord and God, what are you saying? We want to respond. But I just find it so crazy that that would have been just within those first hours of that gathering in Kentucky, you know, at Asbury University. I find it so interesting. And so we're, we're just wanting this morning to turn our attention to the Lord and turn our attention to how to rightly respond to the Lord. Because you, you got to know you're, you're not in a school, really, it's not just a program. We believe that there is this man who lived 2,000 years ago. And then there is a movement called Christianity. And inside that movement was a missions movement. Inside that was lots of expressions of missions. And inside of those expressions was YWAM. And inside of there was YWAM Kona. And inside of YWAM Kona is this moment in this tent right now. That we're not just here for a program, we're here to meet with the Spirit of God and to respond to Him rightly. Okay, let's talk about priorities of worship, okay? All right, first priority, loving Jesus. Just write that one down. We're going to talk about three priorities, loving Jesus. First one is you just need to love Jesus. This is pretty simple. Matthew 22, love the Lord your God 
when we come to the place of worship and responding to his presence, we don't come to get something. We come to give something. The reason why we worship, the reason why we pray, is because he's worthy of worship. He's worthy of worship. I, I love, I was hanging out with him a bunch during the ladies' night. I, I, I love having Shane Rowley and Elizabeth, I actually said Rowley, is it Rowley actually? So terrible, so sorry. I've been doing it for literally six weeks. Okay, that makes me feel better. My, mom, my own mom calls me Zach on accident, so we can relate on that. Um, my older brother's name is Zach, which just felt like a mean joke that they did that to us. Um, but, uh, but I was just talking with Shane and just thinking, we were talking about like coming against hard times in your walk with the Lord and coming against things that would make you want to throw in, throw in the towel or change the course of what God is saying to you. Or often it doesn't even come to you like challenge. Sometimes it just comes to you like, oh, this would be so much easier or just feel good, you know, do it this way. And I was thinking about how the, the, the mark of longevity in the Lord, the mark of, of going the distance in faith, I may have said this in classes, do you have the ability to worship Jesus faithfully when you're in pain? And do you have the ability to worship Jesus faithfully when you're really bored? <laughs> and if, if you can become those kind of people who make up your mind that when pain comes my way or boredom comes my way, I will not change course. I will continue to exalt Jesus. Because the, the presence of God really is like a thin veil. He already tore it top down, praise God. So he did all the work. But so often what Jesus is doing is just on a th the other side of a very thin veil, and you literally just have to do this. <laughs> there's effort, there's action, but it's, it's not a heavy veil. It's just get it out of the way. Here he is. Does that make sense? It's, it's almost like he's the worst hide-and-go-seek player you've ever met in your life. He wants to be found, but he's not even good at hiding, you know? It's, it's like the Lord is inviting you, come and seek me. And he's like, come and seek me. You know, like he, he wants you to search. He wants you to search. He wants you to press in and to go, this space isn't about me, it's about him, and if they'll just worship me, I'll reveal myself to them. Worship isn't, and it's so relieving, guys, it's so relieving when we start having a revelation of that it's not about us. Oh, man, it's so relieving when we have a revelation that it's not about us. It's deeply relieving. We want to become people who give him something that costs us something. Costly worship. Holy smokes. Thanks so much. I should have to take a sip now. Wow. We want to begin to give him worship that costs us something. Let's consider David. He's the leader after God's heart, right? Uh, after Jesus, David is the most spoken of person in the Bible. He's the number one most spoken of person uh, in Scripture outside of God. Isn't that crazy? And he's this man who's described as the man after God's own heart, and he literally, he's made 
so many mistakes and is so raw before the Lord. And I love that about David. And we could do a whole long series and sermons on that. But I just, I find this one specific thing interesting about David that in a time where he's rebuilding the temple and he's turning wor- worship back to the Lord, people try to give him things for free to contribute to the temple and to contribute to God receiving worship. And he says, no, I don't want any of your gifts because I'm not going to give God something that doesn't cost me anything. I don't want to give him a free gift. I want to give him a costly gift. And check this out. This is, these are the numbers. This is insane. He employed 4,000 musicians, 288 singers, 4,000 gatekeepers around the ark, and he himself vowed to worship the Lord seven times a day. This was the value of worship that had fallen in his heart. There there were more than 8,000 people who were employed just to exalt the Lord in his kingdom. Think about the amount of money. Like, let's just do math. I'll pull it up on my phone right now. Let's do math. I think I've done this once before. Let's just 8,000 rough number times, I don't know, what is a full-time salary? That's $40,000, $50,000 a year. I don't know. I'm a missionary, so I don't even know what a full-time salary is anymore. I am. If anybody here is getting a salary, let me know. It'd be great. I think I missed the email. But let's say times 50,000. Okay. Annually, it would have been like saying, our kingdom is setting aside $400 million a year to make sure that Jesus receives glory. Like, what if Joe Biden pulled up and he goes, yeah, $400 million every year, just that the sound of worship wouldn't cease being in his ears. What revelation did he have of the importance of worshiping Jesus? We don't worship to get something. We worship to give something. We don't worship to get something. We worship to give something. The The Bible, I've talked to you guys about this before, the Bible has examples of the Levites, which is one of the tribes of Israel, and they had a call which was to be the to have priestly duties to worship and minister to the Lord to perform the ceremonies, and the other tribes were to set aso- set aside um, additional food and resources so that the Levites could give themselves to prayer and worship. Does that make sense? And I want to tell you right now, if you're here, if you came to be with us, you may not have known it, but you've come to a Levitical call. Whether it's for six months or if God has called you to do this for years, I'd love it. Come join me. Keep doing it for years. Ain't no, ain't no salary, but come. Uh, but you're here for six months, and so that means for at least six months, you have a Levitical call on your life. I, I, I bet so many of us are like, man, we've already given two full weekends just to pray and worship. And we'll give more, I promise. <laughs> because we have a call on us to be those who minister to the Lord. We came to give something, not to get something. You'll notice a lot of the songs we choose, and I love all types of worship so intensely. Anybody just singing to the Lord is beautiful to me. Um, But there's really several types of worship. Two that I'd love to highlight is like lament, 
or just personal process worship, you know, it's kind of the like, oh God, where are you in the midst of the storm worship? I won't put any songs on blast because that just feels mean, but like, like, oh God, I need you uh, to call me out upon the waters, you know, uh, and <laughs> sorry, Savage, I shouldn't have, Savage, I shouldn't have, no, actually, it's a great song, but, but it, it's good, it's, it's about like, oh God, I need you, right? And I, I'm probably more in need of those songs than anybody else. I'm, I'm desperate for the Lord. But then there's another type of worship that's just called high praise. And, and uh, I mean, I think the best description I've ever heard of, live, live, uh, of, of high praise, I would, I would uh, accredit to Colby Williams, who's also got to be one of my top five worship leaders. I just love him. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, bro. I said it. I said it. We all think it. And honestly, give him like a year and he'll probably be number one. Watch out. I just love it. He'll probably will be. I just, there's something about him. There's faith in his eyes. When there's faith in someone's eyes, it messes you up. But he gave me the best, the best uh, definition of, he gave me the best definition of high praise uh, while we were in Norway. He said, there, there are just some banger songs where you're going to get lit about God being lit. <laughs> and I thought that was the ultimate Gen Z the ultimate Gen Z response to, to, like, what high praise is. There are just some banger songs about where you're going to get lit about God being lit. Does everybody understand what high praise is just from that definition right there? It's the holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy, worthy, worthy. And you probably notice 70 plus percent of the worship music we hit in YWAM is high praise. And that's not because the other ones are less. It's because I believe the corporate space is about high praise to the Lord. And there is soaking space. We had lots of soaking sets in the, in the burn, and that's right. It was, it was what that space was, you know. Uh, but then the corporate gathering, when we corporately come together to say we are together going to exalt the Lord. I want to sing songs as if Jesus walked in the tent over here. What are the next things that are coming out of your mouth? That's the way I want to worship. And that's the way I want to invite us to worship. A part of me is filled with faith over Asbury College, and a part of me is bothered <laughs> that Asbury College hasn't heard about us. <laughs> and that's not, there's no condemnation in that, because you guys are wild. Like, I, you love God. It's the, same, it's the same moment in the Lord. But, but that's the way I, I would love to invite us to posture our hearts and worship towards the Lord. Of if God walked in the room right now, what are we going to do? What if we worshiped like that, that he walks through the door and the songs we sing are the songs that would just be a response to the presence of Jesus walking in the room, the real person. And I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. Okay, I'm just going to hit you with three small takeaways and we'll go to the next one because I've already talked for too long. Um, this is for your point one. The point one is Loving Jesus, we love Jesus not to get but to give. We want to sing songs that magnify Jesus in corporate. And then the last one is, um, if worship is an offering, it should cost something. Okay, the second thing in the priorities of worship is we get to host the presence of God. We get to host the presence of God. So we worship him. And then the result of that is we get to host his presence. Psalms 22.3 says, 
yet you are holy and enthroned upon the praises of Israel. That when you praise him, you literally enthrone him upon your praise. You're creating a place for his manifest presence to come. You're creating space for him to come and dwell with us by giving him worship that's costly and magnifying Jesus. Does that make sense? The original design, the original design of the Lord in relationship with his people, you can throw these, these three P's. I've loved them. Someone told me my DTS, and I just I haven't forgotten. It's kind of crazy. Um, is the, the people of God in the place of God in the presence of God. We're the people of God in the place of God in the presence of God. And you can see that storyline through scripture. It's amazing. God walking with Adam and Eve, the people of God, through the garden, the place of God, with him in the coolness of the day, in the presence of God. That was the design. That's how he made it. And then sin came, so we move on to the tabernacle. Israel, the tent, in his presence. And then that wasn't enough, so we move on to the temple. Israel, the temple, his presence. And then that wasn't enough, and Jesus goes, okay, I will walk amongst them. So you have the people of God and the place of God with the flesh presence of God. And then that wasn't enough. So he says, I will send. It's good, better that I go so that another may come. It's better that I leave so that the Holy Spirit may come and dwell inside of you. And now you are the people of God. Your body is the temple, the place of God, where his Holy Spirit lives, the presence of God. And when we gather, it's not, it's not that the Holy Spirit isn't with me when I'm walking through my day. I've been baptized the Holy Spirit as well as I just had access to him at salvation. So I've got cloaked with power, friendship, I've got all of that. But there is this specific way he loves to move whenever the people of God come together in the place of God to go after the presence of God where he will, uh, we use the word manifest often, but manifest just means to show yourself, to show yourself forth. Does that make sense? Sometimes it sounds ultra charismatic. You're like, oh, they were manifesting. And you're like, what does that even mean? Uh, and sometimes it's a good thing, and sometimes it's a bad thing. You're like, you hear like charismatics, they're like getting upset at traffic. They're like, I just manifested in traffic today because this guy honked at me. And you're like, okay, wh what did you show forth? Well, you manifested anger. That's what you're doing. So, uh, yeah, so it's not always, it's not always a good thing. But, but the manifest presence of God, the showing forth presence of God is what we seek when we, the, we corporately gather. When we gather in his name, he'll be with us gather in his name he'll be with us there was this moment in Papua New Guinea where my Papua New Guinea team at <sighs> I'm coming to see you guys I have to um I love Papua New Guinea and I remember we're in this village and we're praying for people and we go to this man's house and we're praying for him and we're all laying hands on his ear because he was deaf and as we're praying for him, we were just like, God, we acknowledge you. We exalt you. We ask that you would come and lay hands on this man, that you would heal him. And we're praying for a few minutes, and then I close my eyes as my hand is on him. As I close my eyes, I can't say it was full on a vision, but it was as one of a handful of the closest I've ever been to a vision, I would say. Maybe it was a vision. I don't know. But it was such clarity. As soon as my eyes closed, it was like I could see exactly what I could see when they were open. But then I just saw 
an extra hand reach over my shoulder and lay his hand on his ear and then take it off and pull it out. And I open my eyes and I turn around and there's no one there. And then I look at the guy and I start snapping and he turns his head and he goes, I can hear. I can hear. And there's a showing forth of God's presence that happens whenever we make space for him to come. If you've noticed on a ministry night or a worship night, we never want to get we never want to get stuck in for, formulaic worship by any means. By priorities, you'll notice are pretty pretty steady. We exalt, we thank, and then we host and we let him do as he pleases. You know what I mean? We don't come from him. Go come to him demanding. We come to him giving ourselves away and saying, "What is it you want to do, God?" I find people get so hurt whenever they're leaning into the, the live, active presence of God, when their priorities are wrong, when they have expectation, God, I need you to do it how I want you to do it, instead of expectancy of God, I know you'll do as you please. Come and move. Does that make sense? And there's this expectation of, I need you to do X, Y, and Z, and we test the Lord when we actually weren't made to test the Lord. Instead, come and say, do it unto me. Let your will be un- done unto me. I am the Lord's servant. That we come and exalt him and we host his presence. We want to become a people who make space and leave room for God to move. This is what, what I love about you guys as a, as a DTS is, is worship night one. We went a long time because we made space for him to move. If you've noticed empty moments in worship where it's silent or where there's space for you to sing or there's space for you to declare or it's just space. It's because we're interacting with a real God. We're not just, well, I'm sitting down. Uh, we're interacting with a real God. We're not just singing songs into the air. There has to be space. I remember on, on Wednesday, we were going out to the Lord worshiping as a staff crew and Lindsay, uh, Lindsay Kilps comes up to me and she goes, they've exalted, now they need to listen. And I was like, dang, you're right, Lindsay. And so I was like, all right, everyone, just listen to the Lord for a moment. And we just sat and waited on him. And actually, a lot of people got downloads that day on some nations and some future plans. It was quite exciting. I haven't even gotten all the reports yet, but I think we're going to see some people go to the nations from, <laughs> from gathering that day. Praise God. That's what I want. Um, there, there won't be, and I'm not against us having words on the screen so we can help sing more you know, united, but you'll get to heaven and there won't be words on a screen. If you're uncomfortable singing to the Lord, I'm going to ask you because I love you to figure out how to become comfortable doing that because you were made to. You need to take extra risk. You need to worship more. If you need to make a vow that you'll only sing spontaneous tonight at at, uh, ministry, that'd be crazy. Whatever it is, I believe it was A.W. Tozer who said this, but of course I just... I'm classic for pulling out quotes that I've misquoted from people. It's still a great quote. Uh, that if you don't like worship, you really won't like heaven. It, if you don't like worship, you won't like heaven. That, that's what it is. That's what it is, that his presence is going to come. And I, I, I kind of can only see it this way. Imagine it, that, that it will be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get down on my knees, and for 10,000 years, I'm going to go holy, 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 and maybe after 10,000 years, I'm like, in which, you know, 
time is so relative to the Lord, so don't get stressed about 10,000 years on your knees. But, but like, holy, 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 holy. And then all of a sudden, maybe I'm like, okay, it's been 10,000 years. Maybe I can get another glimpse of him. Oh, holy, 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 holy. 10,000 more years goes by. And then maybe, okay, now we're 20,000 years in and we go, God, I kind of knew you were going to do this to me before. Because I only did 80 years before my 20,000 years. <laughs> but I spent 80 years trying to comprehend how beautiful you are. Come and do all you want to do. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Come and have your way. We love Jesus. And then we make space and we host the presence. Okay? Number three. Oh, actually, let's do some takeaways from number three. Yeah, it's helpful. Um, number three, or, or the three takeaways. We want to learn to recognize God's presence so that we can respond. I think about the road to Emmaus. I think about the disciples walking. And then... Jesus reveals it was me the whole time. And they go, oh my gosh, how did we not realize no one makes our hearts burn like Jesus? No one makes our hearts burn like Jesus. So a, a, a recognizing of God, when I'm in the grocery store and I'm pulling stuff off the shelf because I spent time in the corporate understanding what you're doing, all of a sudden I'm looking at Susie, the, 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 the woman who works at Sack and Save, and I'm going, oh, I know what his presence is like. I need to go love on Susie right now. Because I took time to, ho to exalt him, host him, and know what he's like when he wants to do something. No one makes my heart burn. The way you are encounters God is very different than the way I encounter God. But he knows. He knows what his presence is like. Right? He knows. All right, that was the first takeaway. We want to value space and worship, meaning we want to be willing to be uncomfortable. So praise God, you've got incredible worship leaders who will continue to give space, but you will be going on outreaches and having prayer and worship times as teams. Some of you will be having gatherings or, or youth movement gatherings, whatever it may be, where you are now needing to create space for God to come and do as he pleases. So we need to be okay with being uncomfortable. That's the second takeaway. And then the third one is we want to make space for New songs to the Lord. <clears throat> the Bible says over 50 times it commands us. It might be more. I'll have to go look at it. Maybe it's 100 times, but it's an insane amount of times. It commands us to sing to the Lord. Throughout the Bible, it's crazy. You can go look it up. It commands you to sing to the Lord. And so we want to make space for, for new worship to be born out of our, off of our lips because we're going to spend an eternity do that, doing that, so we want space for it. Number three. When we make it all about Jesus, we get ministered to by Jesus. When you turn all your attention to him and you let him do as he pleases, he's just really kind. <laughs> when we lower our, expectation, our expectations and increase our expectancy, he's just really kind. John 17, 3 says this, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Says this in Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added unto you. 
scripture, Matthew 6, 33. The first one, what? Oh, the number three, oh, sorry. Okay, number three is when we make it all about Jesus, we get ministered to by Jesus. Absolutely, absolutely. And you gotta understand, Jesus ministering to me sometimes is me getting laid out on the floor crying hard or getting healed. And sometimes it's just, thank you for your faithfulness, same. Keep going. Sometimes it's that simple. Sometimes it's like, dang, I just got a vision of <laughs> Kentucky. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, thank you for your faithfulness. I'll see you again tomorrow. Let's do it again. But we, we make space for him to come minister to us. That's number three. Um, okay, I'm just going to give you a couple of things that get in the way of this, and then we're going to hit prayer after like a five-minute break. Is that okay? All right. And then we'll just blaze on to the end after our break. All right. Things that are going to get in the way of hosting the presence of God on the priorities of worship, this is what is going to get in the way. Um, the friends that you keep, even in a DTS setting, it's kind of savage to say that this can be the case, because it, but it can. The friends that you can keep are either going to be the single most like driving thing for you back to the presence, or they're going to be the thing in the way. Um, I have a rule, and I almost broke it once in the fall quarter with a friend, and then I caught myself that if anyone is ever telling me they're going to go spend time with God or they're going to the prayer room, I will never try to get them to come hang out with me at that time. If I'm like, oh, yeah, we're all going out, they're like, oh, I got to go to the prayer room. I'll be like, get out of here right now. You need to leave. Like, oh, well, maybe I could go to a McDonald's. Stop. There will be no McFlurries for you. The ice cream machine will probably break if you get in the car. Go. Because <laughs> I want my ice cream. Uh, but <laughs> or, or you have friends who are awesome and love God, and maybe even talk about God, but they're not driving you back into the place of prayer and worship. I'm not even saying they're bad friends. I'm just saying you got a way. Are you, and maybe it's time that you need to change friends. You just need to analyze. I have set a six six months aside to become a to, to take up a Levitical practice. This is important. Like some of you are wondering, some of you are wondering if you're worth supporting as a missionary. And I guarantee if you give yourself to a Levitical practice of prayer, you won't need to wonder that anymore. That there's biblical legitimacy as well as there's prophetic legitimacy that you are here to worship and adore and pray to Jesus. And then in Jesus' name, then we take that and we figure out who that is supposed to be their occupational call after this season and who it's supposed to just be a principle that they maintain in their life for the rest of their lives. But your friends that you choose, are they the friends who drag you out of bed at two in the morning? Does that make sense? This one is important. I wish I had something really zingy to say to you right now on it so that it really stuck a point because that would feel so nice, but it actually doesn't matter at all. It's really just, I need you to hear 
are you driving each other into the presence of God? I can already see that you're such an incredible, like it's easy, like you're just talking to friends at this point who just love God the way I love God. But I want to encourage us, what do our lunchtimes look like? What do our nighttimes look like? What do our mornings look like? Is there, is there a drive inside of us towards our friends, towards one another? Second thing that would get in your way would be, what are you filling yourself with? Some of you need to delete apps off your phone today. Maybe at the break. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, delete them at the break. What's crazy is some of you still have Snapchat on your phone. Get it? I don't, guys, I don't know what I have to tell you. It's demonic. Get it off your phone. No, I, there's no, like, it's demonic. It's about sending sexual texts to people. Uh, it's evil. Get it off your phone. I'm not going to tell you it's definitely that sin to have it on your phone, but I'm going to tell you to go ask God if it's sin to have it on your phone, and he'll tell you. Um, get it off your phone. But maybe the things that aren't sin, maybe some of you need to step off of the British Bake Off on Netflix for a little bit. And I love the British Bake Off. But what are you filling yourself with? What is consuming your time? Right now, I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and tell you if you need to delete TikTok, Instagram, or Netflix, okay? You definitely need to do Snapchat. You don't have to worry about that one. Um, the other three, and you're just going to shoot your hand up. You're going to know, I have, an, I have an app on my phone that needs to be deleted. Holy Spirit, I'm just going to ask, come and speak to them. It's filling their, their, their mind. Maybe it's not even a sin, just waste of time. Maybe there's guys here with their Explore page is leading you to some sin, though, so you got to get it off your phone. But we're going to get real practical. That crap's got to come off in the way. Get it out of the way. Holy Spirit, which one of them? Okay, now I'm just going to count to three, and if you're just like, dang, I know I need to get an app off my phone at the break today, we're just going to shoot our hands in the air. One, two, three, hand in the air. Come on. Praise God. That's incredible. No, that's incredible. Is there anybody else who is like resisting because they're kind of addicted? Actually, that's me. Now, now I would shame them if they raise your hand. No, grab your friend after. Grab your friend after. Freedom. Yeah, get Freedom. So wait, wait, and we're just going to hand raise again so people can sneak them in. Everyone raise them all together again. So if you had to sneak them in, just hold them up high. Just if you raise your hand, just hold them up high. We'll just, if anybody else got to sneak in there. Now just look at, make eye contact with one of your friends, your roommate, your teammate. Just make eye contact with them. All right, that friend who you made eye contact with, watch them delete it today, okay? Watch them delete it, all right? What are you filling yourself with? All right, we kind of kicked this one's butt in Freedom Week, but offense. If there's, if there's offense inside of you, if there's offense inside of you, it's going to get in the way of you hosting the presence of God. If you get offended easily or worship that makes you uncomfortable, you know, it's okay to be uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable all the time. I just feel like I perpetually live my life in discomfort. It's insane. Um, you don't know how many worship gatherings I come to where I'm like, man, it would be cool if I could just like chill on this one. And God's like, nope. <laughs> uh, discomfort is fine. Offense, where discomfort leads to offense in you. I know better than them. That thought is going to keep you from getting what God wants to give you. All right? That I know better than them. I'm offended towards this person in worship. Or just offended outside of worship and you brought it in. Offense will get in your way. You've already, already kicked offenses, butt during Freedom Week, but if you've got any, Lord, come and search their hearts right now because we're going to get practical at the break and then we're coming back to talk about prayer right now.
anything. I offended at a roommate for snoring. Maybe a parent. Maybe you just still need to forgive. I, I believe that we've all been cleaned out pretty thoroughly now, which is great. But maybe there's a fence. Maybe it's just a fence towards, oh, why did this staff hang out with my buddy and not with me? That's a real one. It's okay. There's not even shame in that. I've felt that before. Why did this friend group rent the truck without me? I always find Saturdays on DTS kind of crazy because I, I, I feel so sad at the flags when you see people acting like orphans a little bit because uh, they didn't get in a no, because <laughs> they didn't get in a in a rental van, you know, or a rental truck. And that's not me trying to be trying to be mean. It's just crazy. You're all just young people trying to have a good time. I just mean search it. Search it. Is there a small offense in there? Holy Spirit, is there anything? Anything at all? <laughs> Come on, bro. That's awesome. <laughs> He's just getting free. He's like, oh, shoot. Bro, but you can see the smile on your face, God. You're so free, bro. It's awesome. You know what feels so good? Calling sin, sin. It is so crazy liberating. Like, oh, that's sin. Now I can hate that thing because it's sin. <laughs> and I'm not talking about a sin inside of another person. I mean, like, the sin in my life, I hate it. And I'm allowed to hate it. All right? Okay, Holy Spirit, finish talking to them. Get them on the apps. Get them on the offense. And we'll be back at 1040. John Mark Dyer, he's the best. And... He, um, he and I were talking about what was going on in Asbury, and we were getting worked up. What's up? Oh, you're right. We were getting worked up about what's going on at Asbury University, and we were like, holy smokes, like, if we're not the people who, like, support something like this and go and, and learn and, and, and take witness of all that God is doing, like, what, what kind of people do, you know? So I, I'm, I'm there with him, and I'm getting worked up uh, about it, and I, I go, and honestly, I have a ton going on this week, so I was like, oh my gosh, do I go to Asbury College? Like, do I get on a plane tomorrow? And like, I'm like weighing this, and then I was like, if I got on a plane, and then I pulled up my phone, and I texted to Andy and John Mark, and was like, <laughs> I was like, hey, I think I have to go to Asbury, and I've got to take Jonah and Elijah with me. And I just like sent the text, um, and I sent it to them, and and uh, no, I said, should I take them and just go? And Andy just responds, yes. Like there was no, <laughs> there's no questions asked. He was like, the answer is yes. And then I, I called these guys. I was like, hey, let's pray about it and see if we're supposed to go. And we prayed last night. A longer story. Started talking to Amelia. Amelia climbed in on that through a crazier prophetic story. She was literally talking to her friend at Asbury College, Asbury Seminary across the street. And they're like, oh my gosh, God is doing this crazy thing. And she was like, Oh, I want to go so badly. God confirm it if I can go. And then I text Amelia, and I'm like, hey, do you have any housing in Asbury that you can help us get? She's like, are you going to Asbury? And I was like, yeah, do you have any housing that you can help us get? And then she, <laughs> she goes, can I come? And I go, yeah, do you have any housing you can help us get? <laughs> uh, and it was the confirmation for her. The four of us pray last night, and I felt like um, I was pretty upset because I felt like the Lord said um, that I wasn't supposed to go and that Elijah and Jonah and Amelia were supposed to go to Asbury uh, tonight at midnight. 
um, if we can get the tickets in time. And literally, it's like, I have an idea, and now they're getting on planes. Uh, <laughs> and I'm not getting on a plane, which is crazy. Uh, but I just believe the Lord is actually doing something right now. And, and we're, 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 like, we're part of a generational moment. Like, I, I think about, uh, I think about watching Jesus Revolution a week and a half ago, or two weeks ago. Does that have been a week and a half ago? Yeah, about a week and a half ago. And something about, I love how they kept referring to the hippies, which is kind of funny, because I doubt they talked about it quite like that at the time, but, uh. But I kept referring to the hippies in the movie, and for some reason I was like, Dane, that feels like Gen Z. Why does it feel like Gen Z? Why does this not feel like a movie about the 70s? Why does this feel like a movie about now? It's now. I want it now. And this is one expression of that, and what's happening in Asbury is another expression of that, and I believe God is laying his hand on that one. And the reason why I put this up here is because we... When I prayed, the reason why I'm not going is because I saw this picture of Caleb and the spies going to view the the promised land and see, like, is the land good? Is it right that we take the land? Uh, And I saw this picture of of, uh, Elijah and Jonah and Amelia going, like, like three Calebs to to Asbury to see, like, man, we, we want what is happening there. We want it in our tent with us. And we, we have to be faithful that God asked us to be here going after God. So I'm jealous to have both. So I want to send three of our, like, most dynamic, fiery people to go get set ablaze and then come bring it into this tent. Um, and, you know, if, if Eli- I'm just going to sell you out, dude. I'm sorry. If Elijah buys a ticket right now, his bank account will go under. I know that to be a fact. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know that Jonah's will go under, but I think it'll get close. <laughs> and I don't know Amelia's financial situation. Uh, but, <laughs> but I myself am going to sow into their tickets because I actually believe it's important that we participate what God is doing in America. Okay. Wow. Well, yep, that's true. That is true. Yeah. So we're going to take up an offering. We'll split either three or potentially four ways. Um, I forgot about that, but she, I haven't talked to her yet, so she prayed. Uh, and these are my Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal. And I know that's kind of random, but I just think it's not even about them. It's actually about all of us, which is it's a strange offering to take, but I felt like this was about our school and our part of the movement and our prophetic moment that we need to take hold of it for our family. Does that make sense? And so we're sending them basically like spies on our behalf, as funny as that sounds. I just think it's important that we don't get so wrapped up in just running a good program that we don't listen to God being like, send people right now. Get them on planes right now. So I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and just speak to you about how much you're supposed to give to this. And I just believe God's on it. So I'm just asking you as a friend, but also... Uh, as a leader, I'm saying this is where we're going, and I'm headed this way. If you want to, I want to invite you to join me in heading this way to support that we need people there. So Holy Spirit, in the midst of need, because everyone in this tent has radical need right now. In the midst of need, would you speak to us a number, and would we give our way into the breakthrough? That we would choose generosity over our own ability to manifest the finances we need? Would we choose leaning into you and your voice? And so 
Holy Spirit, would you tell everybody a number in here? Just tell everyone, every person in here, tell them a number. And then when you feel like you have that number, we've got PayPal, Venmo, and Cash App all right here. Was it wrong? Are you putting it to get bigger? Oh, I see. So here are the three ones. So if you guys want to just like look up there, grab it, whatever that number is. Yeah, I can I can say it. Um, also, c- maybe I can take a picture of it and send it in the Discord. Oh man, technology is crazy, guys. I regularly feel like I was born into the wrong time, and technology is one of those things that makes me feel that way. But then you gotta trust God. I was born in a time such as this. <laughs> Oh, yeah, just title it. I emptied all three of these accounts, so I don't think there's anything. But if you want to give me a gift separately, go ahead and title that one separately. <laughs> but I, I'm just assuming all money that comes in today is all not mine. So, But, yeah, that w- is still helpful. It's still helpful. Um, guys, I'm going to send it in our chat because I can't get my phone to load right now. So I'm going to send it over to you guys if you would throw it up there. Okay. We're going to hop back in. Hmm. I think PayPal is international is the way that I roll with that. But if you're like, dang, I still can't do that one, maybe speak to another student who could help or, or cash, whatever it may be. We'll just figure it out that way. Oh, there you go. You could, you could give cash over to Lacey and Lacey could, could do it. Wow, that's crazy. You're awesome, Lacey. I, I actually do have Zelle. Yes, that's crazy. Yeah, okay, I'll check my Zelle as well. So uh, I don't know how to post my Zelle. What about my phone number? That feels scary, though. As long as I don't. If you have Zell, come see me after class. I don't want to put it up there. <laughs> One time, I'm going to say this, and then we're going to start class. Guys, uh, so many of you are giving me. I just want to tell you thank you for supporting what, what God is doing. And yes, we're supporting uh, Jonah, Elijah, Amelia, potentially Ella, uh, but it's not really, yes, it's about supporting our friends, but honestly, I, I feel so stern whenever I say this. It's not really about that. It's really that we need what God is doing in our tent. And so I just want to just honor you for just being like, all right, just choose generosity. So however much you gave, whether it was a dollar or, or $50, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, here, we'll just do it after class so, so we can keep moving. Yeah, I'm William. I'm, I just exposed myself on workplace as well. Uh, I, I'm William Nix is, is my, my uh, first name. I know. A lot of exposing right now. I should have thought through this. I should not have used my own accounts on this moment. Um, yeah, so if you're looking at Venmo, I'm William Nix. Okay. Uh, but I just want to honor you guys. Anyone who gives in generosity, I just really do believe that that is the key to going after what God is doing in the missions world is that we have to remain in generosity. It's the currency of the kingdom. Okay. Should we hop back into some prayer? Okay. Let's do it. I exited out of my notes on accident. Okay.
this morning I was praying in the prayer room, um, good place to pray, uh, with the staff. It's crazy because I, I wrote these notes before this moment, but as I was praying, I was pacing, and I just, I just started praying, Lord, search the earth and find me faithful. Let your eyes search the earth and find me full of faith, God. Let it scan back and forth, to and fro, over the, the nation of America, over the island of Hawaii, over the nations of the earth, over Norway, and find, find us faithful. Find faith in us, God. That he's looking. He's looking for those who would meet him in the faith that he has. And I'm jealous that we would be ones that his eyes would be scanning across the world and it would hit, of course it would hit, uh, you know, Asbury University right now, but that, then it would scan over and it would catch a tent in Hawaii full of young people and go, whoa, there it is. That's the faith I'm looking for. There it is. Find me faithful. I know Etienne talked about this in Revelation. It speaks of a golden bowl. It's this epic epic scene described in Revelation. They're all crying out, holy, there's creatures. What are those freaking creatures? I don't know. And there's 24 elders with stunning crowns just chucking them down on the ground. And you and I are in that scene, and I don't know if that scene is happening now or is eternally happening or will happen Time is so crazy with God. We don't have to get into that. But what I know is that there is this moment that's a real moment where that will happen or is happening. I'm not sure. And you and I are in that moment. We're there. It says, and there's a golden bowl of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. You can go to Papua New Guinea. You can go, whew, you can go to Lebanon. You go to all these different places, and I, I believe, and I think with 99.99999% faith, it's totally reasonable to believe and know that there are people who will get saved, who will then live their lives faithfully submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ, who then will also pull other people into that, who will then permeate who he is, not just in the religious sphere, but maybe into their job, and we will see fruit that will come from our outreaches, and that is one of the reasons why we do them but we can't know for sure that all the fruit will remain. Because people have free will. And so we'll present it to them, and lots of them will choose, but we don't know which fruit will remain and which will not. Isn't that crazy? It bothers me. Even in this tent, I have full faith that this is going to be a tent that 80 years from now will celebrate the success of the CTF, you know? I have full faith for that. But I can't 100% know because of free will. We have to choose. We have to choose. What I can know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is that the prayers you pray in the nations of the earth is 100% guaranteed that that fruit will remain. That there is a golden bowl of incense filling and your prayers are going to fill it. And so I would venture to say that maybe not un the 
most important, but definitely in competition for the most important thing we do in these days, church, is that we pray. Is that we pray. Because that is eternal fruit that isn't going anywhere. There's a golden bowl. That in that moment where you cry out, holy, 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 you'll look over and see this bowl and you'll go, I helped fill that thing up. There's a lot of words that uh, Christianity stole from Roman culture. Makes sense. Romans were ruling the area at the time. Uh, I think a lot of them give us good understanding of what it is we're doing. So like the gospel, anybody know what gospel means? It's good news, right? So the good news, but that word wasn't just like, oh, wow, this is good news. Let's make up a word for really good news. There, it existed already, the gospel. But it was actually the gospel of Caesar is the way that the message used to go. So the way Rome would dominate regions, areas, is they would send apostles, which are like, it's, it, it means messenger, but it's really like cultural form, formation is what it is. You bring cultural formation to a region. So when they, when they conquered an area, they would conquer it, and then they would send an apostle of Rome with the gospel of Caesar to go transform the area through a cultural collection of people called the ecclesia, which is where we get the word church from. So literally... We stole an idea of where, where, where Caesar and Rome would dominate through force and then establish the kingdom of Rome through the gospel of Caesar by apostles of Caesar. Jesus came and he brings victory and conquers his kingdom through sacrifice and laying his life down, not dominating, but sacrificing his life. And then he says, go and take the gospel of Jesus and establish the ecclesia in this place and see culture transformed by the good news of Jesus. Isn't that crazy? This is, like, so the, there's these words that just get thrown out as Christian words. They actually had meaning to them. That, that the church isn't just a place we go on Sundays that has really nice screens and like dialed worship in a smoke machine, you know? Uh, no, it's supposed to be the cultural epicenter of a town that is transforming the town into the likeness of Christ. And I'm not going to start handing out the title of apostle to everybody, but for us to walk and follow in the apostolic move of what God is doing, it's for us to go establish the good news, the gospel of Jesus everywhere through pouring into the ecclesia, whether it be, you know, a youth group in a church, a Jesus club at a school, a group of old men in a coffee shop praying, reading their Bible together, the ecclesia. Does that make sense? So this is the strategy. And so when we're praying and we're doing intercessory prayer, it's so important because we're not going to do nice Christian things. We're establishing his kingdom on the earth. And so when we pray, it's so important that we're gazing upon the beauty and magnificence of God and we're hearing what is it, Lord, that you're establishing in Manila in the Philippines so that we then can be the outworking of this? This used to bother me so bad. I, I wondered really deeply for my first few years of YWAM. I was like, is prayer moving God's heart or God, is, God, is prayer moving my heart? I was so confused by it. And I, I wanted a percentage. I was like, God, what is it? 
35, 65? What do we got, a 70-30 split on this thing? 50-50? Whose heart is moving here? Whose heart is moving more, God? And it occurs to me, prayer isn't that. Prayer is my heart colliding with God's and saying, I submit fully to you and what you're crying out onto the earth, I'm crying it out onto the earth with you. And then as you pray, your heart is moved and you're like, oh, there's the faith I was looking for. I'll do it more and I'll do it faster. And we're like, oh my gosh, he's doing it more and he's doing it faster. I want to do it more and I want to do it faster. Is prayer moving God's heart or yours? Yes, the answer is yes. Yes. If we're going to establish this ecclesia, it has to be found in prayer. It has to be found in filling up these golden bowls of incense. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, what, when you go to that, it's in First in, in uh, John, in John 1, in the beginning was the Word. And you go to that, and the Word that it uses there, and I'm definitely not a theologian, so I always put a disclaimer on that. It uses logos, which is the formative word. It's like a, it's a ph philosophy word, like what gives form and meaning to life and meaning to existence. And, you know, it's, it's a very philosophical, it's a really deep word, logos. And so God, God is saying, or sorry, God is saying, the Bible is saying, in the beginning was the logos. And the logos was with God and the logos was God. So literally in the beginning, what he, the words of his mouth gave form to everything. And the words of his mouth are synonymous to who he is. It's crazy. It's why integrity actually so deeply matters in the Christian walk that what we say is who we are. Isn't that crazy? James 3 says that the tongue is like the rudder of your life. So you speak, for your life is steered. So if we were made, sorry, I'm jumping all over random terms. If we were made in a mago day, which just means the image of God, and that's what the Bible talks about, is that you and I were made in the image of God. And his word is synonymous to who he is. I would ask you, is your word synonymous to who you are? And when you pray, are you giving yourself to be an intercessor that says, A, whatever you're saying, I want to say that. But whatever I'm saying, I want to live that. That makes sense. That when he's charging the room to pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest would thrust forth laborers into the harvest field, they're all the laborers in that room. There aren't any other believers. There's like maybe some of the random ones they've ministered to, but they're not praying for like, oh God, wake up the church in Iowa right now. But God do that. Uh, you know, but like, they're, they're not praying that. They're saying, Lord of the harvest, thrust me forth into the harvest field, God. Send me, God. Pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest would thrust forth laborers into the harvest field. You're praying for yourself to get thrust into the harvest field. That's what it is. In 1 John 2, 1, it says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. 
Jesus is our advocate. What are we doing when we're interceding? We're partnering with the advocate. As he advocates for us, he invites us to advocate for South Africa. To be advocates for Indonesia. To be advocates for the Philippines. You've been invited to be an advocate. Intercede to pray what he's praying with the advocate. It says this in Romans 8, 34. Who then is one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, was raised to life. It is all at the right hand of God, who is also interceding for us. I love prayers of earnesty and coming before the Lord and God, I feel sad, I feel happy, I feel mad. And, and we have to be careful to never let go of those things, but most of us have lived our lives where that's the only form of prayer we've done. And there's no condemnation in that, and you have to hold on to that. You have to be able to come before the Lord and say, woe is me, I'm broken, I need you. But then you have to go, okay, and I trust that you're more than enough and that you've heard that prayer. I can say that prayer, and now it's time to say, God, you know who else needs you? Saudi Arabia really needs you, God. Release your spirit upon them. Raise up leaders in the Iranian church that these women who are pastoring, strengthen them, Lord, because who else is praying for them? Strengthen them, God, that they would continue as perse persecution increases, that their faith would increase, Lord. God, where hearts need to turn to you, let them turn to you, Jesus. God, what you're doing in Kentucky let it be done all over that state, Lord. Keep going. Keep going. Yes, my heart hurts from X, Y, and Z, but no. What are you doing on the earth? We stop just praying to fill ourselves up, which again, never stop doing. Don't mishear what, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Never stop having that tender, intimate relationship with the Lord. But we've got to let it then mature our faith to go, we need you to move in Hawaii. We need Hawaiian missionaries to crisscross the globe, God. I'm crying out that they would. I'm crying out that they would. I sometimes don't even want to come to prayer sets because I'm afraid I'm afraid that I've leaned myself out of faith and that I, I'm just speaking words into the air and then I have to remember that we serve a God who's far more faithful than my ability to catch the crazy movement and the crazy move of God which I am obsessed with and know that my prayers are not ever going to fall void if I'm presenting them earnestly to the Lord and they're not even my prayers, they're his prayers. You know what I mean? When I'm praying what he's praying, he's not going to just turn his ear from him and say, I won't listen to that. <laughs> That's not what he's like. There are two wings in your relationship with the Lord. Two wings of longevity that would keep you going the distance. You could write these down. They'd be helpful. The first wing is going to be intimacy. By intimacy, that's a bigger word. You could describe the whole thing as intimacy, but uh, for now we're going to use it as one of the wings. And when I say intimacy, I mean like the tenderness, the heart for God. Some of you have experienced 
tears before the Lord. Some of you experienced goosebumps before the Lord. Some of you have experienced, like, I can't explain why, but I have to get in the room and keep worshiping. That's mostly mine. I wish tears and goosebumps were, I could get more of them. I'm always trying to get more of them. They feel so great. But mine usually is like a, got to get in there, you know, like, and I'm like worshiping there and everyone's getting touched. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on right now, but I know it matters. You know? <laughs> if you see me bouncing in the front of the room, chances are I'm not feeling anything. Chances are I'm just like, I know this is important, you know. But, it, but it's, it's that intimacy. It's that, that, that like you're moved. That's one wing. You need that wing. The other wing is devotion. It's worship outside of your feelings. It's daily worship. It's get up, make your bed, read your Bible. We may do a re-up on that today. We're halfway through DTS. Maybe we could all just use a reminder, and that's okay. We're all growing. There's no shame. If you've, if you've been sleeping in past quiet time, break shame off. Laugh. Grab your roommate and tell him, hey, bro, I've been doing some revival fouls and been sleeping. And then have them plot a yellow flag and go flag on the play. And then go, come on, you stole that from the Eagles. And then, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I had to poke it. I actually am very unbiased on that particular game. And then get up, make your bed, and read your Bible. Okay? It's all right, there's no shame. But devotion. See, I know Shane. I know Shane probably has an epic romance story with Elizabeth. I bet, yeah, 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 he just gave me a grin like, yeah, 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 you know I do. <laughs> I bet, I, can we just take a poll? Does every man in this tent just think Shane is the coolest guy you've ever met? <laughs> I'm like, leads his family to follow the word of the Lord to every corner of the earth, has a beard that I think is what we'll all have in our glorified bodies one day, uh, and shreds on the guitar. I have a man crush big time. but I bet he has an epic story in how he won Elizabeth's heart. And I bet he still does. I bet, I, I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's like, dang, the, the epic flower moment, or maybe there's poetry, or maybe it's just, it was the date that he knew was, this is the date, you know? And it was real. It was amazing. But what if he kept that story going, and he probably has. He kept that story going, and he goes, oh, I'm going to keep, like, Elizabeth, you're getting flowers, and I actually have a plane that's going to come write your name in the air for our date later this week. And one of those guys who was singing on Saturday night, they're going to be serenading us at our date. If we're lucky, it'll be Magnus. It'll be in Norwegian. Uh, and he's like, he's like, babe, I've mobilized 300 young people to put on the greatest date of all time. You know, like, you're like, wow. But then he goes, but, but. I don't do dishes. Just my thing. I don't feel it. I don't feel it. And, and he's, like, he's like, Elizabeth, I only, I only want my love for you to be real, to be authentic. And dishes, I don't feel like taking out the trash. No, I don't feel like that. It's not real. It's not authentic. My emotions aren't really in it. I'm not getting goosebumps while I'm, while I'm changing the diapers. What does his love for her look like at that point? 
we would jump him. <laughs> Be like, bro, Elizabeth is incredible. What are you doing? The plane is great, but you have to show up tomorrow morning to feed the kids. How many of us are doing that with God, you guys? Dang, when Hoffa's on the keys. And he's got that butter, and he's just singing, and it's going, and you know, Elijah has got there, and, and, he's, and he's just singing, like, worthy of it all. Like, that's what I know. That's what I love God. But, like, at 6 a.m. reading my Bible, nah, no goosebumps. That piece of trash that I missed when I shot it for the trash can and I walked away, no goosebumps. I didn't feel it. Guys, we do that in our relationship with the Lord. Some of us do this one. What if I had a friend? What if, what if I was Jonah's friend? What if I was? What if I was Jonah's friend? But, I, but it was like this. I was like, Jonah, check it out. This weekend, we're going to go to this sick coffee shop together, and we're going to take the greatest Instagram or, or TikTok, whatever, together. I feel old whenever I'm saying that, but I have Instagram, which that's kind of outdated. Uh, and we're going to take it together, and it's going to look so epic, and people are going to see how we're like good friends and how like you and I, we're buddies and we spend time together, and we'll, we'll make this really sick content, and then you will not hear from me until next Sunday. You won't hear from me until I need my next post. That'd be a weird friendship, right? How many of us are doing it to God? Come on. I don't want to be a professional Christian. I want, to, I want to have a relationship with a living God. I don't want to speak Christianese. <laughs> I don't want to know the right thing to say or the right thing to post. I need devotion and I need intimacy. It'd be also weird in the opposite if he was faithful in all of the in-betweens, all of the dishes, all of the trash. But he's like, we will not go on dates. I will not tell you I love you. I will not tell you you're beautiful. I will not romance your heart. You'll get nothing from me. There's less of us in here that lean on that side, but they exist. You exist. You're in here, I bet. You've got the faithfulness, but you're like, eh. My heart, that's mine, God. I'm keeping that safe where I want it. <laughs> we need both. We need both to go the distance with the Lord, you guys. And prayer isn't less powerful because you don't have goosebumps. Okay. I want to... We need the beauty of God to touch our lives. We have a guy coming named Robert Thatch at the end of this school. He might touch on this again. He'll probably do it much more brilliantly than me. But can't wait for him to be back. He leads our Kazakhstan community. He's the final speaker of your school. It'll be really fun. But he always talks about this, and he said a few years ago, and it really messed me up. There are these creatures called seraphim. It's crazy creatures. The Bible has crazy stuff in it, you guys. <laughs> and they're, they're these angels that have six wings. They've got, they've got a set of wings 
cover their feet, and they cover their face, and they're set to fly, and they're covered in eyeballs. Weird. But, but I want you to think about that. Before, they just seemed weird to me, but like some basic revelation of why they had that now makes sense to me. They've got all these eyeballs all over them because their only job is to behold and to worship God. It's their only job. It's one of our jobs, but it's their only job. So there's literally creatures, real creatures that exist that are living right now. That they're stuck. They're literally stuck going, I, you are so beautiful that two eyes aren't enough eyes to see how beautiful you are. I need more. And so they have more eyes covering their body head to toe. Just going, holy, 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 you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. But the problem is, he's so beautiful that if they catch a full glimpse of him, it will kill them. So they have wings to cover themselves so that they don't even successfully do what they're there to do. And they're literally living in constant back and forth tension of all I want is to see you, but if I actually see you, it will kill me. Oh, you're the most beautiful thing that's ever existed. And if my eyes could just touch you, death might even be worth it. It might even be worth it. If I could see you, nothing would compare to my eyes meeting yours. I want to see you. And you have access to him now. Imagine how much, me too, this is me, I'm preaching to me. Imagine how frustrated the seraphim are towards us. You can see him all you want. It'll kill me. Look at him. Behold him, he's beautiful. And they're longing for us. They're like, Zane, just get out of bed. Read your Bible. Look at the beauty of an infinite, uncreated God that is waiting for you to wake up so you can see him. They're just waiting. You have access to him. You have access to him. It says in the Bible that on... On his breath, hosts of stars exist. It's the kind of thing that you kind of pass by in the imagery of Proverbs or Psalms. You pass by these things pretty haphazardly, but it's the Bible, so it ain't lying to us. Everyone just take one breath. Even like a little one, fast. Galaxies. If I stand in, actually right now I'm sweaty because it's hot, but if I stand in the sun right there for too long, it, it will make me sick, and then if I stand for way too long without water, it'll kill me, right? That sun, it's 93 million miles away. Talk about this on the beach yesterday, wasn't I? <laughs> That's crazy. It's 93 million miles away. And it's so powerful that at 93 million miles away, you can feel the heat of it on your skin. And you serve a God who at <sighs> galaxies full of those exist. You've got to let the, the immensity of God, how amazing he really is, come and touch your mind. Because it's so good that we see him as 
all the daddy got. I, and that tends to be my tilt. I love, I love the tender friendship of the father heart of God. Papa, Papa Sky Daddy. <laughs> Papa, Papa Sky Daddy got, I'm just kidding, I can't, I can't. There's always that one worship leader you just can't stand it a little bit too much. You're like, Daddy, you're like, stop. <laughs> please, please stop it. Please stop it. It is what Abba translates to, but I'm just saying, it's awkward. And that's good. It's good. It's right. But, but there's this place, there's this place where let's just say, yeah, Josh got strong hands. We got to go with his. Let's just say Josh represents the father heart of God, which totally makes sense because Josh is like just such, such a dad at his core. He just is a, has the father heart of God for sure. And so he represents that. And let's say I represent the star breathing part of God, right? The one that you can't even look at him fully or seraphim can't look at. And it's pulling against one another. And right there in that tension where our hands are, or wow, his hands are so strong. Uh, right there in that tension that we're pulling against one another, that is where we meet and worship Jesus. That he's fully our dad and close to us and intimate, intimate with us, but also he breathes and, you, and, and stars exist. And that if it, there, has to be a t- there has to be real tension inside of us as we worship him to say, you're so close and you're my friend, and that's great and all, but it's not powerful unless I recognize that you breathe stars. Because you're just another guy. He's not just another guy. He's the uncreated, never-ending God of the universe who knows the number of hairs on your head. He can literally breathe stars, but he's counted the number of hairs on your head. It says that the thoughts that he has for you, the thoughts that he has for you outnumber the grains of sand on the earth. If I go get one scoop of sand, I guarantee I can get more than 5,000 grains in there. How many scoops of sand are on Kua Bay, a tiny beach on a small island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean? And his thoughts for you outnumber them. And he's just your dad. You don't pray to a God who isn't your friend and who can't hear you. But you also don't pray to a God who can't do anything. He can do anything. Anything. The importance of prayer, it has to touch our hearts, guys. The immensity of God, it has to touch our hearts. Let's just turn attention. Holy Spirit, we just want to acknowledge you. I don't want to rush.
I believe today that the Lord wants to deposit fresh revelation and fear of the Lord of who he is and who it is you're praying to. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I believe some of us have actually gotten glued to our cultural expression of worship, whether it be from our church or our nationality, and we've gotten stuck in the, this is the way. And I think he wants to talk to some of you about that. Some of us are still coming into prayer, worship moments, making it about us, and I think he wants to talk to you about that. I just want to encourage you guys. Repentance really is the Swiss army knife of freedom. It's crazy. The fact that he gave us repentance is just proof of how kind he really is. He didn't simply save you from death, but he saved you from yourself and from your own patterns of life that don't bring you to him. It's just the power to turn around. crazy. Amen. We don't want to rush. We don't want to rush. We just want to do what he's doing. There is this time. I was going to Norway in the fall. Terrible to turn this turn the boat here. Just feels right. Going to Norway with Bree and Colby and Anna and a friend of ours named Seth. And it's so crazy that he's not just he's just it, it's real. Like the interaction is real. Maybe some of you have felt it for the first time 
in this season, but it's real. There are these huge heart things, but also on the come and eat lunch with me, it's real. I'm in the line to get on a plane with Anna, and we're in the line, and we find out that we're at a, we're a, it's a fully booked flight, and her and I are in the same row. She's on the aisle, and I'm on the window, or maybe vice versa. I can't remember. But we're like, oh, man, it's a fully booked flight. And I was like, oh, God, I just declare that there's no middleman in Jesus' name. And I was just being silly, right? And then Anna goes, there's no middleman. <laughs> There's no middleman. <laughs> and we walk down this really crowded flight, and we get to our row in the back of the plane, and the flight is fully booked. And there's this red tape around the seatbelt of the middle of the middle seat, and it says seat out of order. <laughs> There's no middleman. <laughs> There's no middleman. <laughs> he hears you. He hears you. He hears you. Let your heart be moved, but don't you think that you don't move his. He hears you. I remember my outreach in New Guinea again. I was, we're waiting to get on a bus to go to university. The way the buses work there, it's really funny. Like individuals own these really sketchy buses. And they just know the loop of which they go. There's no schedule. It's just as the buses drive, if there's space on that bus, you get on it. And so we're waiting, and every bus that passes us going the right direction is full. It's full. It's full. It's full. It's full. But then we're waiting there, and we've been there for 45 minutes waiting to go to ministry. And one of the, one of the contacts there is an awesome dude. He's a Papua New Guinea man named Saul. He's just a huge dude. Full of like just just muscles, solid through. He's a volleyball player. He's just an awesome guy. He's hanging out with us, and he was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> Does this awesome accent? What are you doing? And I was like, "We're just waiting for the bus." And he was like, "Pray for the bus." <laughs> like pray. He's like rebuking us for being passive. Pray. He's like you pray, you watch. Bus will come. We're like okay. God, will you send us a bus? In Jesus' name. Literally the least faith-filled prayer I think we've ever said. Maybe for two minutes because we feel offended because he's rebuking us. And as we say it, we're not really paying attention to the road because there's not any buses coming our way, but there was one going the opposite direction. And it's going the opposite direction. And we say, you know, Jesus, send us a bus in Jesus' name. And he goes, and turns around in the middle of the road and pulls up to us. And the guy opens the doors and he turns and he starts talking to Pigeon. And he just starts yelling at everyone on his bus, go, get off, you'll have to find another bus. Kicks them all off the bus, goes, where are you going? And he was like, I was like, well, we go to the university, but we'll have to take a few buses to get there. And he goes, I'll take you all the way, just get in. And we climb on the bus, and he just drives us across the city to the university. He hears you. There's no middleman. There's no middleman. They sang this song in Papua New Guinea. It's one of my favorite songs. So there's 800 languages in New Guinea. Uh, I know it's crazy. It's more than 800. Um, and the most common are, are pigeon and English. And not Hawaiian pigeon. It's a different kind of pigeon. It's P-A-K. Talk pigeon. Kind of like 
kind of like, thank you, <laughs> thank you, Jesus. And, and then, uh, and just talk pigeon. And I, lo- I love this language. It's like playing Mad Gab all the time. It's, it's like English and several other languages all pushed together. And so I, I, I just thought it was just such a pretty language and fun and interesting. And I just got really into it as a DTS student. And so I would listen really intently to the songs as we would worship. And then I would go up to the worship leaders after, and I'd be like, walk me word by word what it meant that I was singing, because I want to know what we were singing. And there was one that was so crazy, whenever it starts, um, the songs start hitting your heart. They stop being um, just participation. You start worshiping the Lord in another language. It's actually just very exciting. Um, where you go, wow, this is genuine worship. It's touching my heart right now. It's not just, it's not just participation. But the song was... Um, me like stop inside long house belong you. Me like stop inside long presence belong you. Me like look and face belong you. All get a time, time me stop life, Lord. Just means all I want is your house. And all I want is your presence. All I want is to gaze at your face for the rest of my life until the end of my life. That's all that I want. And I pair it up against Psalms 27, which is where it undoubtedly came from. One thing I ask, one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. And I, I think about the power of a king, of a, of a King David, who has all of the money and wealth and power and influence and was good looking. And he's got everything. And yes, in this context, he has got circumstance against him but he has everything and he goes there's only one thing that i desire my life literally is at risk right now but all i want lord is to stay in your house and to see your face and to see your beauty and i think about the contrast of a king who has everything singing all i want is to see your face and then of villages who have a very simple Life, awesome life, not, not lacking, not saying that, but just a more simple life, living in a bamboo hut fishing, and both sides of this crazy spectrum of life. All I want, Lord, is to see your face. I've touched the most simple and the most complex versions of life, and at both ends of the spectrum, there's only one thing that is found to matter, and it's to see your face. It's to see your beauty. Colby, can we worship for a minute? We don't even really need a full band, just 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 the guitar. I think it's better that way right now. I thought to myself as I got out of my truck, should I put on my pit viper sunglasses? And as I watched Colby wa- walking up here with his on, I know that I clearly didn't ask God this morning if I should put them on. <laughs> There's um, a story I've told my staff a lot of times. It's one of my favorites. It's about the Welsh revival in um, Wales. <laughs> where, well, where a Welsh revival would be. What? Crazy. 
But this revival that touched all over the nation and then all over the UK and thousands and thousands of people got saved from it. It started with something really simple. Um, one of my favorite people in, in revival history is actually the one who started it. She's my favorite because she's, I think she was 15 years old at the time. She was at a relatively casual church gathering. It wasn't with the lights. It wasn't with the really well-spoken words. It wasn't, I didn't have like the next anointed worship leader. And towards the end of the gathering, her name was Flory Evans. She just stands up in the back of this room. And she just yells out to the whole room. She says, I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. Just that. Just lets out a cry. 15 years old, has no place to be taking over the gathering. Probably would have come off as rude as she did it. But she was overcome by her love for the Lord. And she stands up and says, I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. And then what happened as a result was thousands and thousands of people repenting and turning to Jesus. The gathering just turned into a longer gathering, turned into more gathering, turned into jumping all across the nation that people would be rushing to the churches to redevote themselves to the Lord. They'd be praying for people to get saved, and the next day those people would be in the room with them praying for the next people to get saved. Started it. But I love this person because I actually think it's, I think it's so close. Yeah, you do whatever you want, bro. You, got, you can put those shades down if you want. Uh, <laughs> Later. Because I believe that this room, her name is Flory Evans, I believe this room is filled with, with Flory Evans. I believe every single one of you is made to be a Flory Evans. That, that's one of the things I think is supposed to mark Gen Z, is an unashamed, reckless abandon that at any moment, would stand up and say, I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. And the intimacy and love of the Lord from one girl, not her being the most dynamic leader in the church, just from her loving him, it started a trickle down of people getting saved all across the nation. I believe that's who we were made to be. I believe it's who we were made to be. I believe it's who you're made to be, Colby. What would happen if we gave ourselves to really become the Levitical priest of YWAM Kona? What would happen if we really gave ourselves to become the Levitical priest of, of our generation to become the Flory Evans? What would happen if, if we gave 10 weeks in the Philippines just to say, I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. Every day, I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. that our prayer, our worship to him would be an outworking of a revelation of who he is. Everyone just stand up. And I just want you to begin to talk to him. If you got to yell, yell. If you got to whisper, whisper. But just talk to him. Tell him, I love the Lord Jesus with all my heart. Whatever you got to do to speak that to him, let's just respond. Let's just respond to the Lord.
Thank you so much for listening. If you want to know more about DTS and Fighting for Against, you can check out our website at ywamkona.com or reach out to us on our social media platforms. For more on the presence of God, stay right here on the Fire and Fragrance podcast.